repeat after me, if you would please, these two words. All authority. Say that with me. All authority. Say it again. All authority. Jesus said, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. And to his men, he said, to his followers, go you therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Now we're coming again this morning to this subject of the chain breaker. The chain, the chain breaker is in the house. There are more than two or three of us in this room. He said that where two or three have gathered together in my name, there I will be in the middle of you. I'll be in the middle of the circle. I believe I was far more than just want you to know with your mind that I'm present everywhere. You know, know academically that I'm, I'm there with you. I, I, believe, I believe he meant way more than that. He knew that there were going to be situations that would come up in our lives as we try to follow him that would be bigger than we would be able to handle, that would hit us at the heart, that would try to attach itself to the control aspects of our lives. And, and he was saying, I believe, you're going to need to know that I'm there. You need to know that the chain breaker is in the middle of you. You need to know that I am the one who has all authority, all authority, all authority in heaven and on earth. He doesn't cause everything, but he has the ability to cause everything that affects our lives, everything that comes at us. He has the, the power, the authority, the wisdom, the ability to work it together, to turn it for good in our lives, to turn it for his purpose in our lives, the accomplishing of his purpose in our lives. So this morning we're talking, about, we're talking about breaking the chain of lost hope, the power of Jesus at work in our hearts to break the chain, or chains, plural, of lost hope, lost hope. Now we use the term chain as distinct from a thread or a string, or even a rope. We use the term chain, meaning there's something that has the ability to attach itself to our hearts that is stronger than we are, stronger than our ability to break free from. And if we don't have some outside help, if we don't have some greater strength, we're going to remain chained to whatever that is. Now, folks, there are some teachings in Christianity that would lead you to believe that when you came to know Jesus as Savior and Lord, um, that, 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 was, that was all the saving, that was all the rescuing that you were going to need. Now, granted... Thank God. We don't have to keep going back to the Lord to forgive us for the sins in order for us to miss hell and make heaven. There's forgiveness in what he did on the cross that is ours 
completely and forever. There won't be some new sin that we're going to come up with that he didn't die for. Do I have a witness? We're not going to have to ask Jesus to go back and die on the cross all over again because what he did 2,000 years ago didn't cover this one. It covered it all. Covered it all. It covered it all. We are forgiven and we're on our way to heaven because of the forgiveness that Jesus accomplished for us on the cross and we have received that by faith receiving the forgiveness of our sins so that we now can be in right standing with the Father and heaven is our home. Amen. But that doesn't mean that there's not going to be something to come up in the morning or there's not going to be something that we find ourselves having to fight with all over again from the yesterdays that we're not going to need him to rescue us and to save us from ourselves all over again. Not that we're, if we died, we'd be lost forever. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the power, the ability for some things to rise up in our hearts or to come against us that can be stronger than we have the ability to whip. And we're going to need his help. He is a savior. It's not that he was a savior. He is my savior. And he is your savior. And whatever it is we need for him to rescue us from, he's got the ability. He has the authority to rescue us. Now, the good thing about, one of the good things about an atmosphere that, that we, we just pray will always be the heart of Alamo City, has been in the past up to this point, is that we don't run around here with plastic Christian play-like clothes on, you know? Where, where you just got to act like everything's fine, even though you, you, you just you had to, you know, the ground beneath your feet blown out the last week, and you just needed, you needed some encouragement, or you needed to just be able to say, I didn't, I didn't choose right last week, or I didn't choose right at every point. Would you pray for me? Would you, would you pray for me? Meaning that we literally believe that Jesus is off of the cross, he's out of the tomb, and he is alive in this room. He is alive where we are. And he has the ability to break chains. He has the ability to break the chains that somehow can get attached to our hearts through various ways and means. And sometimes we don't even know that they're there because we've lived with them so long. We, we, we don't even know that we're bound because we've been captive for so long. It's just the way we've lived. But I'm here to tell you that whatever the chain is, Jesus not only has the ability to break it, but he has the heart to break it for you. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, Paul wrote. The Lord Jesus is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, where the Spirit of the Lord is, where the Spirit of the Lord is at work, where the Spirit of the Lord is at home, where the Spirit of the Lord is doing what the Spirit of the Lord wants to do, there is freedom. Freedom. Would you say that word back to me? Freedom. freedom. There's freedom. All authority for the purpose of accomplishing in our hearts freedom. That the only place we're bound is to love Him. At that, he's, he's changed things. He's working to change things so that the junk 
and the powers that of our lives as they used to be that we don't want to go back to, he has the authority to break those chains. So that's where we've been. That's what we've been camping out on for these last several weeks. And today we come to this one. The power of Jesus to break the chain of lost hope. To break the chain of lost hope. Is there a place like that in your heart today? It it may be a relationship, a person. It, it, It may be a dream of business or, or what you could become. I, and I'm not, I'm going to draw the distinction between hope as the Bible speaks of it and a wish. We're not talking about the little shallow wishes, but we're talking about a hope deep inside of you that you had for a child, or you have for a child, or you have for a spouse, you have for a friend, you have for yourself. And how powerful it can be and how crippling and debilitating it can be when we've lost hope in that place. Now I want you to know that this verse is in your Bible. Romans chapter 15 and verse 13. Romans 15, 13. Here's how it reads. Now may the God of hope Fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at it again. Now, may the God of hope. Right now, not a week from now when the problem gets fixed. But right now, while you're still waiting on it, while you're still in the waiting room, while the things in the natural haven't changed one inch, now, right here, right now, may the God of hope, what a name, what a name for your father. What a name for the Lord Jesus. He's the God of hope. He's not the God of despair. He's not the God of, you you can't ever measure up, the God of failure, the God of too great expectations. He's the God of hope. He looks at you, (laughs) and one of the names he wants you to know about him is he's your God of hope. Now by the God of hope, fill you up with all joy and peace and believing. When? When? Right now? You mean right now? With all that I'm going through, with everything that's against me, with the stuff that I've done that I hate and all of that? Now. Right in the middle of your mess. May the God of hope, the God who authors hope, The God who sustains hope, the God who defines hope, now may the God of hope fill you up with two emotions, joy 
and peace. In the middle of whatever it has been that has broken you, that has changed you, that has shackled you, that has disappointed you and hurt you. Now, may the God of hope fill you up with joy and peace in believing. In believing. In believing for what? In believing for the hope. In believing for what it is that he put within your heart to hope for. Huh? Now may the God of hope. See, the world can give you attaboys and congratulations after, after hope has already been fulfilled. You don't have to have any faith to believe after something has happened. But what we're talking about is in the thick of the fight, in the middle of the midnight, before the day has broken, before the star, storm has calmed, before things have changed, he has the ability to break the chain of lost hope and put in the place of lost hope his joy, his peace, as you believe him, and how's it going to happen? So that you may abound in hope, overflow in hope, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Where's it going to come from? Where's that kind of ability going to come from? It's not going to come from you staring at your navel and doing all the meditation to fix yourself. It won't happen. But it will happen when the God of hope gets a hold of you. And the God of hope pours into you something you couldn't manufacture and you don't deserve. And it has the power to break off of you and break out of you the despairing chains of lost hope. Now we need to draw the distinction between a hope and a wish. In the Bible, in your scripture, there's a difference in meaning. The word hope includes a wish, includes a desire or a longing, but what makes it different, what the word and the meaning here is, diff is so different is that it includes a second aspect, not just a wish or desire or a longing, but it carries with it an expectation that somehow, some way, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Now, may the God of hope, the God who puts in you a wish, and the God who plants in you an expectation, now may the God of hope fill you up with all joy and peace and believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. When the Lord begins to do that work, of setting us free, breaking the chains off of us of lost hope. A series of things seem to take place. But the first one, the first aspect is this. we got to understand that somehow, some way, somewhere along the journey and in place up until right now, Satan has lied to us and we've bought his lie. Here's the lie. God isn't here. God doesn't care. 
and God can't help. It's as old as the Garden of Eden. It's as old as when he lied to Eve. He said, has God really said? I mean, God is keeping from you what I can give you. He doesn't want you to know everything there is to know. I, I, but, but you eat that apple. You eat that fruit of the tree. And you can have the things that God won't give you. Satan has a PhD in human reason. He can lie to you. He knows how to push the soft button. He knows where the soft places of logic and and illogic thought would be. But he knows how to work. And he can tell you a lie just like it's the truth. For the child of God, and I'm talking to all of us this morning, folks, we got to know who's talking to us. We got to know who's speaking back to us. We got to know who's trying to influence our thinking. And what the enemy will try to do in a situation where the Lord has put you in a place to hope, the enemy will come along and say, if God was really here then, or if God really cared then, or if God really had the power then. So instead of recognizing where that voice is coming from and who that voice is coming from, we can, without even realizing it, embrace that lie, the lie about my father's presence, the lie about my father's heart, the lie about my father's power and authority. So folks, I'm just saying to you, the first place, the first step in getting free of the chain of lost hope is to take our hearts before the Lord and say, Lord, I I confess to you the sin of believing a lie about your heart. Because you see, it isn't just about giving up on a person or giving up on a specific dream. The thing that's the worst of all of that is that somehow it drifts, it oozes back in on us. By osmosis, we get affected by it that we can't really trust God, that we can't really be sure of his love for us, that we can't can't really count on experiencing his presence where we are in our daily lives. And, And if we've given to the enemy a place of agreement in our hearts, a lie regarding the heart of the Father, then Satan has a very powerful tool. He can't can't take that, but we can give him a piece of our hearts. That Ephesians 4 passage that is is just so powerful, And, and yet I don't know why it is. Sometimes Christians think if I just memorize enough verses about certain things, then, then, then I, that's how I whip the stuff. When, when the reality can be, the reason something has control over me is because it's not just me. I've given somehow ground to Satan. I've given, it's a supernatural control over me. If you could quit it, you'd quit it. But if something has the ability to keep you from being able to stop, be it an attitude, a habit, or whatever, if it owns you, 
then, then there is the very, very strong likelihood that that is a place where Satan is at work. There's supernatural power at work defeating you. And until he's called out, and until the sin that he's standing on inside us is convinced, he can still stay there and operate and run us crazy with his control. Some of you are listening to that, and you're hearing that, and you're saying, Pastor, I don't know that that could really be true, because I thought when I, when I got saved, there wasn't any way the devil could whip on me and beat me up and do things like me. Would you read your Bible? Read your Bible. And read this one. I'm not mad. I'm just trying to be direct here. But Ephesians 4 says, Be angry and yet do not sin. Verse 26. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. In other words, you can hold anger for a season, but you're not supposed to live with anger. You're not supposed to live mad. Stay mad, no matter what it is. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. And then it says, and do not give the devil an opportunity. Do not give the devil. The word there is place. Do not give the devil a place. Well, what does that mean? A place in your heart, topography, topos. It means a spot, a place, tangible, ownable, operational point of impact in a heart. Do not give the devil a place. So when there is when there is anger that stays and simmers and cooks, and it's all that, he's saying, don't do that. Don't allow that to stay there because that gives the devil a place. He can't take it, but you can give it to him. You can give him a place as a Christian from which he can operate, and where he operates, he will operate in supernatural strength. And I come right back to that. Is there an area that controls you, and you don't control it? It's a chain supernaturally strengthened and empowered chain of darkness that can keep you from being all that the Lord Jesus rescued you and me to be. Yes, if we died, we go to heaven. But the Lord wants us to walk to a degree in heaven on earth. That means the freedom, the joy, the power in many senses that is, that is operational in heaven, that it would come to be heaven on earth, the kingdom of God on earth. That's what he desires, but the enemy wants the exact opposite. So you can sit there and listen to this. I don't know whether I believe that. I don't know whether I believe that. That's fine. But the ones of you who are saying, oh, my goodness, Lord, if there's some place that I've given the enemy an agreement, that I'm more in agreement with him than I am with you because he's seduced me by some lie about who you are, then I'm going to run to the cross right now. I want the blood of Jesus to cleanse me afresh and anew, and I want the Holy Spirit to fill that spot. Well, here's what I'm saying to you. The very place where Satan and darkness has caused you to be owned by a hopeless heart or the loss of hope, in that very place, Jesus can so cleanse that, 
So wash that, so purify that by his love, his grace, by his spirit, that that very place that has been marked by hopelessness and lost hope can turn around and become the place of your greatest hope, your greatest confidence, because you've sensed his power to break a chain in that area that you didn't know if you could ever be free of, but he's brought that freedom by the power of his spirit in your heart. So it starts there, Lord, where I have agreed with you, agreed with the enemy against you, where in the, in the circumstances around, I have, I have chosen to accept that your heart isn't good, that your heart isn't mercy, that, that, that you're not here, you're not here with me, that somehow I'm an orphan, whatever it would be, Lord, I confess this. Who's telling you? Who, who is trying to convince you of that? It's not God. It's not the angel. It's not the written scripture. It's somebody called the devil. The word devil is, means diabolos, to throw between. He'll come up with something to try to throw something between you and God. He'll put a question. He, he'll, he'll try to give an interpretation to a set of circumstances. Well, that's just, that's just because God doesn't love you. That's just because you're not good enough. That's just because you'll always be a failure. Is, is that ever going to be God talking to you like that? No. But that will be how the enemy will talk to you. And if we give him a crack in the door, he sticks his big foot in there and he'll, he'll pry it wide open and come marching into the center of our hearts with all of the lies about the heart of your loving Heavenly Father. So it starts at the place of renouncing agreement with the lies of the enemy against the Father's heart. Yes, he was there. Yes, he is there. Yes, he does care. And yes, he will bring it to the conclusion in his timing. All right. The second part, another, another aspect of that, is he, as he works to break the chains off of us, he will show you, he will take you back he will restore in your heart what we can call Word of God hope. <laughs> Word of God kind of hope. Somewhere back in your journey, in your walk with the Lord, God gave you a promise for a child. God gave you a promise for something, for a career, for a pursuit. It wasn't something that you came up with. That's a wish. A wish is something that we just came up with on our own. But this thing of hope is an entirely different breed of cat. It means that there was something that God put in your heart that was a delight to your heart, was a joy to your heart, became a dream in your heart, but somehow along with that, you seem to know that the power of God was behind it. The authority of the Lord. This was the Lord speaking to you. It may have been a promise from Scripture. It may have been something that He just woke you up with, but it stayed with you. You couldn't get away from it. And it was regarding a situation or a setting or an opportunity. When He breaks the chain, of lost hope off of your life. He may very well take you back to what he gave you in his word. The word of God. The word of God kind of hope. 
you need to know this verse is in your Bible. This is in the book of Numbers, and it is Numbers chapter 23 and verse 19. It'll be up on the screen here a minute. That's Numbers is a long way from Romans, in case you're wondering. But let me, let me just go ahead and read it. Listen to what this says about God and his word. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? God is not like a man that he should lie. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? When the Lord begins to walk you into that place of freedom from lost hope, watch how, pay attention to how he may begin to remind you of things that he put in your heart a long time ago. Time has passed. Nothing has changed in the natural Maybe it's even seemed to go worse. But in your knower, in your knower, you know that that was not just a thought, that was not just a simple wish, that was something that you believe God put in your heart. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. We follow me down the direction of where we believe he has spoken, where his promises have been given to us, giving us a sense of direction for our lives. He knows he's got to speak to his sheep. If you're Jesus' sheep, you got the equipment to hear the shepherd's voice. you got great big ears and a little bitty mouth. Amen. We have the ability to hear. It may mean going back through some old journals. It may mean going and pick up a, your first Bible, the one that you wore out that you don't even carry anymore because the pages come out of it. And you go back and you find that place where there was a date out beside of a particular verse and it was marked. And you believe the Lord spoke that word to God. I'm here to tell you, delay is not denial. Just because it hadn't happened in the last decade or the last five months or the last hour, it doesn't mean that the Word of God is not still packed with power and will come about as He has spoken it. Hold on to that. Amen. Lord, show us, take us back to the Word of God kind of hope. Find Romans. Go, go back to Romans. I want you to find Romans chapter 4, and this is a section where Paul is talking about Abraham, the father of faith in a very real sense. You look at Romans 4, 17. This is about Abraham, Abraham, what had been spoken to him. As it is written, a father of many nations have I made you. Well, the only problem with that is that Abraham was at least 75 years old. And Sarah wasn't any spring chicken either. Thank you very much. 
And the Lord appeared to them, to, Mo, to, to Abraham, and said, A father of many nations have I made you. They didn't have one child. He, he didn't have an heir. How was it going to happen? Folks, listen. Before the power of God is released many times, the Word of God is released. The Word of God, the promise of God is spoken. And then the power of God to fulfill the Word of God is later released. Sometimes it's much later. But just because there's been a delay doesn't mean the Lord forgot about it or doesn't mean that you're disqualified from it or doesn't mean that he's run out of power so that he can't fulfill it. The Word of God kind of hope. I pray that comes in deep to some of you. God spoke to you powerfully as a younger person in another setting, another situation maybe. There was, you, you knew it was him, but the circumstances have gone south. The years have passed. Difficulties have come, problems and challenges. Maybe you've even grossly disappointed yourself, but I'm telling you, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should be. If he has spoken it, he will bring it to pass. You've got to let that in. You've got to let that possibility in or stay in the place of chained to lost hope. The Word of God. Here's something else he'll do. He'll take us back to reacquaint us with the power of God kind of hope. The power of God kind of hope. If your hope is in what you can do to fix it, what you can do to maintain a stance, or what other people are going to have to do in order for the hope to be fulfilled, how often do we find ourselves sadly and deeply disappointed? But what happens is, when the Lord is restoring us to the place of freedom to run hard after Him with joy in our lives, He has the ability to reacquaint us with the power of God kind of hope. Not the power of man kind of hope. Not the power of accumulated gathering of men and women kind of hope. The power of culture, the power of society, but just flat out the power of God kind of hope. Oh, goodness. I tell you, we need about... 500 t-shirts with this verse written all across the front of it. Just walk through San Antonio with this on it. Go, go back to Romans 4, 17. As it's written, Father, many nations have I made you. And in the sight of him whom he believed, even God, look at this, who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. He, he gives life to the dead, calls into being that which does not exist. In hope, Abraham against hope believed. He believed anyway in order that he might become a father of many nations according to that which had been spoken, so shall your descendants be when they didn't have a child. But then he goes on to say, verse 19, and without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. 
Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully assured that what he had promised, past tense, what he had promised, he was able also to perform. He grew strong in faith, believing that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. Do you see that? The Word of God kind of power, kind of hope, and the, and the power of God kind of hope. Folks, when we get our eyes off of the God who can raise the dead or create anything he needs to create in order to fulfill the mission that he's put us on, when we get our eyes off of the God of the impossible, and we get to staring at our own navel, looking over here at this pitiful bicep, and that worn out, twisted ankle, and that's as far as we look, then we can stay chained, stay chained to lost hope. Why, why wouldn't Abraham and Sarah have just given up for good that they'd never have a child? That, 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 that father of many nations line, you know, they must have just had bad pizza the night before. They, they did. That couldn't have been God. But it was God. God spoke his power, his, his word. God spoke his word. And then when the time was right, he released his power. Get in the middle of that verse, child of God. Sit out in the middle of that verse. God has spoken something. And it's only a matter of time. It's not a matter of if. It's just simply a matter of when the power of God will be released to fulfill the word of God. Now may the God of hope, now may the God of hope, the God of hope, this is the realm he operates in. He plants dreams. He puts wishes in the hearts of people. And then he, along with that, accompanied by his speaking of a word of their hearts, he plants in them an expectation <laughs> that it's coming. It's going to happen. It's coming. There have been times in my life when it seemed like the fulfillment of the promise was so far away, so far behind from the time he had spoken something. And I literally would have this conclusion, Lord, I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know if I'm going to be one like one of those folks in, 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 in Hebrews 11 looking back from heaven at what you did, receiving the fulfillment of the promises after they were gone. But here's one thing I'm determined to do. I'm going to my grave believing you. If I die, I'm going to die with faith in my heart that my God is able. My God will do what he said he will do. Satan, I'm not giving you one second of agreement that my God is unfaithful. My God is incapable. My God doesn't have a heart. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. The power of God. The power of God kind of hope. The power of God kind of hope. And here's the thing about old Abraham. I mean, he was just messed up with this kind of conviction in his heart that what God said, God's going to do. And instead of him going, it's been so long, it's been so long since the Lord spoke that promise that I just don't know if it's ever going to come. 
It says that the older he got, the gist is, the older he got, the stronger in faith he got. Instead of being farther and farther away from the delivery of the promise, he believed he was getting closer and closer to the fulfillment of the promise. Decades had gone by. Sarah got older. He got older. But he believed, put his trust in the one that he knew could raise the dead. He put his faith, his hope was anchored in the one who has the ability to call into being that which doesn't even exist except in the heart of God. Now, does that just just make your socks roll up and down inside your Tony Lama boots this morning, men? It ought to. It ought to. The Lord's saying to us, get your focus shifted Get your focus shifted off of what you can see and smell and taste and touch that causes you to feel confirmed in some part that it's never going to happen. That couldn't be God. I must have missed it. I must be disqualified. Get your eyes off of that. Confess the sin of agreeing with the enemy over me. And you believe that I'm the same God with all the authority, with all the heart, that Abraham knew me as, and I am your God, and I am the God of hope. I am the God of hope. All right, so he, 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 he refreshes us as he's setting us free. He refreshes us with the promises from the Word of God, the Word of God kind of hope. What has he said? What has he said to me? What is he saying to me? The power of God kind of hope, not the power of man, not the power of reason, not the power of known science and so forth, because it didn't scientifically fit for a man and woman that age to even think about having a child. But God did it. His ways are higher than our ways. But then another aspect of this is that he... He will refresh us, encourage us, teach us along the lines of the Spirit of God kind of hope. Spirit of God hope. Spirit of God hope. Now, folks, every word in this book is trustworthy, true, reliable. We're not trying to figure out what's true and what isn't. We just accept it all. If it's a problem for us, it must not have been a problem with God. This is His book, and we thank Him for it, and we're grateful for the operation of the Holy Spirit of God to get this written, preserve it all the years, and for it to be published so that we can have copies, multiple copies, many of us have, in our home. But when Paul would say, let me quote it again, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace, Those are emotions. Fill you with joy and peace in the place of your hopelessness. To swap out hopelessness and insert joy and peace so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit. By the power 
Who is the Spirit? Now, the Lord is the Spirit, the invisible presence of Jesus. He's not physically, bodily in form around us today, but it is the invisible Spirit of the Lord Jesus whom Paul likens to. He says this is who the Spirit is. It's the invisible presence of Jesus, and where the presence of the, of the, of the Spirit is there, is, there is freedom. There is freedom. It is the work of the Spirit in us. Now, I want you to understand, but hear this carefully. I'm not saying don't read your Bible. I'm not saying don't seek encouragement from Christian friends. But what I am saying to you, beyond those things, in addition to pouring over the Scripture and studying all the places about how the Lord set people free, don't, don't miss this. As Paul said, it is by the power of the Holy Spirit working in you that you're going to know his joy and peace in believing right now, right now. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Lord, take over own my heart by your spirit. I'm thirsty for you, Lord. You said that you would pour water out on the thirsty, and I'm thirsty. Instead of being content, chained up to lost hope, there's another option for the child of God. I renounce the lies that that's my destiny. I renounce the lies that that's the heart of God, that I should have to live that way forever. I embrace word of God hope, what you said you'll do. I embrace power of God hope. There's nothing you can't do. There's nothing that can stop you. If you, don't, if you run out, you just make some more. And then, Lord, I want to know. I want to know. I want to know, Spirit of God hope. Fill me. Spirit of God Folks, listen, we don't, take, we don't take him seriously enough. We don't take his promises seriously enough. Jesus said, Luke eleven thirteen. if you then being evil, if you then being just people, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who are, now look, this is, this is important. The tense of the verb is very important to those who are asking him. Meaning that whenever I'm needing his help, I don't have to go back four years ago when I was filled with the Spirit or when I came to know the Lord or when I got set free from this, that if I'm where I'm needing his help, when I'm needing the resupplying of hope in my heart, I can ask him and keep asking him and keep asking him. Folks, you, some of you may be wondering, I don't know how these people have to walk around in such joy. Uh, they, they just got, they must have just kind of some kind of plastic something. They must be on something. They got, they got this joy and they're smiling and, they're, and the world's going down the toilet and they just got this joy on them. They must be faking it. No, they're not. Now, may the God of hope fill you up. With all joy, all kinds of joy, all expressions of joy and peace so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So when you take that compartment of your heart 
that is owned by hopelessness or lost hope. And you track it back. How did I get there? How did I get there? Somehow you got there by believing a lie about the all-authority Jesus. Somehow you're staying at that place of hopelessness because there's a chain around your way of thinking, emoting, and choosing that is stronger than your ability to break. And the only way that it gets broken is when you acknowledge and confess it, confess the sin, Lord, I have doubted who you are, I've doubted your heart, I've doubted your presence, I've doubted your power. And I repent of that. I confess the sin, I repent of that. I ask you to forgive me, to cleanse me, to wash that out, to wipe that out, that part of my heart. And I ask you to fill that very place with your spirit. Your spirit that believes, your spirit that trusts, your spirit that's confident, your spirit that's full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Fill that spot. And you know what happens? Here's, Here's how you know it's happened. Because what you used to worry about, stew about, be sad about all the day long, all night, wake up in the middle of the night, live it during the day, you wake up and you, you're going to find yourself feeling almost guilty because you're not worried about it anymore. You almost feel guilty because I, I, hadn't, I had never lived this way. I, I, shouldn't I be worrying? No. Shouldn't I be trying to fix something? No. Because your eyes are on the God of hope. And he's done exactly what he said he would do and he's doing it in you now. By the God of hope. Before anything has changed, before anybody said I'm sorry, before anybody fixed anything, paid you back, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Let me tell you two things. Satan can't handle. One of them is the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. All this talk about I'm going to try harder, I'm going to quit doing it. If, if, if Satan has something that he owns in you, that you've given to him through an agreement with him, then all the, I'm going to just try harder, I'm going to turn over a new leaf, I'm going to quit, I'm going to do it. He he just yawns his way through that. But when you say, because of where you have taken that sin and that agreement with him, and you've taken that to the cross, you've taken that to the blood of Jesus, and now you're able to say, Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. And then the other thing that he can't dominate, he can't handle, is when you speak the name Jesus. Don't be strutting in there talking about you and giving your name and all the lateral stuff. He yawns through that. 
The demons celebrate. We got another one. Still got another one. Still got that one? Because they don't understand. The only thing that can shut us down is the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus. But when you own those as your weapons, the weapons of our warfare, I'm covered in the blood of Jesus because I'm not hiding anything from him. I'm not trying to to go on without the forgiveness that I need and the repentance. I'm saying, Lord, I'm guilty. I I want to know all the sin that you need for me to confess because I want to be free and I want to be clean. I receive the cleansing blood of Jesus. And then I speak his name. I speak his name. I speak his name. Jesus cannot lie. He's not the son of man that he should lie. Has he not said it and will he not do it? Delay is not denial. Remember that. With God, delay is not denial. And it can often seem that the bigger the promises, the greater the consequences that he's promising. Sometimes the longer the process can be. So it wasn't that Abraham and Sarah just had another bouncy, bubbly little Hebrew boy. They had a mom and dad who should have died. They were so old, they just should have been in a nursing home somewhere looking at somebody else's grandkid pictures. Deep within at least Abraham's heart and Sarah too. There was that sense that God spoke something to them a long time ago. He didn't stutter. He meant it. And the passage of time would only cause there to be fulfillment in even greater measure of the promise of God to them. Amen. Amen. I want you to pray with me. Streaming family, if you, you all are just, we'll just join. If, you, if this is hitting where you are, would, would you just maybe on your knees or just stand or whatever? But let, let's lift our hands up before the Lord. If, this, if you feel like there's something here that, 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 that you need to make right and want to make right, Lord, we confess to you that there are chains stronger than we can break. And Lord, we confess to you the sin of allowing circumstances and the passage of time to cause us to agree with the lies of Satan against your heart. That you don't care, that you're not here, that you're not able, or whatever it is that he puts there that has caused us to just back away and settle down in a place of hopelessness or no hope. Ultimately, ultimately that being because we have gotten our eyes off of the authority of your word, the greatness of your power, and the work of your spirit. Cleanse us, Lord, in Jesus' name. We receive the fresh cleansing of the blood of Jesus for the sin of unbelief, for the sin of at any and every point agreeing with Satan and a lie against your heart. And Lord, we ask you in the name of Jesus to in the place of that which now you've cleansed out of our hearts, We ask you to fill us with your spirit in that very place, in that very set of thought processes. We ask you to fill us with your spirit, that that would become a place of joy and peace and believing. 
And then, Lord, we say to you, be it done unto us according to your word. Be it done unto us according to your word. Be it done unto us according to your word. As young Mary said to Gabriel when she received the announcement that she would have a baby boy, the Father would be the Holy Spirit, how Jesus came into this life. Be it done unto your servant as you have spoken. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you're in the process of doing. Thank you that the vision is yet for the appointed time of Acts 2, 3. Though it tarries, wait for it. It hastens toward the goal. It will not delay. Wait for its fulfillment. Lord, we receive that truth in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Now, folks, listen. In the name of Jesus and in the authority of the Lord Jesus, I'm expecting a bunch of you to walk out of here different than what you walked in with. I'm expecting, and those of you listening, that there's a change that's come, that hopelessness and the lies of agreeing with the enemy against the Lord, that's been exposed, that's been broken, that's been cleansed. Now you're being filled freshly in places where the enemy had control. He no longer has control. Jesus, by his spirit, has set up his control. And you expect for there to be joy and peace in believing. You expect that. Let there be a new normal to come to take place in your life. And the new normal being I'm not having to spend my life Worried about whether or not God loves me. Worried about and doubting whether or not what he said to me is going to happen. You just got to start understanding who it is who's talking to you. And don't you listen to him. Holy Spirit, would you minister to your people? Dear Spirit of Jesus, will you just minister to your people? Fire of God, fire of God, fall upon the church. Fill your people as I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. If you're in here with us and um, here in San Antonio, and I want to invite our prayer partners to, if you'll please make your way here so we can pray with any of the ones of you here that just need prayer. Receive Jesus as Savior and Lord, but beyond that, what, whatever else we can pray with you about. And those of you, part of our family, our streaming family, Pastor Walker at alamocity.org if you want to just give us a paragraph a couple sentences of how we can pray with you we are so grateful and honored when you do that and our intercessors get right on it and it's a, it's a joy to our hearts to be found in prayer with you thank you for the ways that those of you in this room as well as out around the world literally pray with us and pray for us but where you have been able to financially support it enables us to, to keep doing this and things to go farther and more and more folks being encouraged. And that's, that's our prayer. Amen. Lord, do in your heart what's in your heart to do with all of us. God bless you. Come this way. We can pray for you. Streaming family, we'll see you next time. God bless you. God bless you.